Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John. The beginning of John, John's Gospel, the first 18 verses form a prologue. It is the preface to the greatest story ever told. I invite us now to listen to the word of God for us as we focus our attention on two key verses. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only son, who is close to the father's heart, who has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In August of 2013, I arrived here to Covenant's campus for a special called meeting of the session. It was an interim time in Covenant's history. Thomas Daniel had not yet arrived. Really important work was happening during that interim time in order to ready ourselves for the next senior pastor. But one thing that we continued to struggle with was agreeing upon a vision statement for the near term. A lot of conversation was happening, a lot of collaboration was happening, but we continued to have a difficult time of adopting a statement of what it is that, that we most believed and wanted to devote ourselves to in the most recent months. So we called a special meeting of the session so we could throw ourselves at just that one task. Recently arrived interim associate pastor Mun Hines would moderate the meeting that night. So we arrived to the meeting eager and ready to prayerfully adopt a vision statement. Now sometimes drastic times call for drastic measures, which is what Mun discerned as we met that night, suddenly announcing that in order to adopt a vision statement, in order to achieve our goal, that we would now vote one word at a time. Now, pastors don't tend to vote at session meetings. So I now sat there listening as Marine Corps veteran Munn decisively led the session one word at a time so that we could achieve our goal. When suddenly, while adopting and updating my calendar, I heard in the distance, all in favor of Christ, please raise your hand, which grabbed my attention. And I threw my hand into the air, blurting out, let the record show that Pastor Jill is in favor of Christ. Still to this day, the only time that I have ever voted in a session meeting these past 13 years. We continue our teaching series on the foundations, titled foundations. In a world that is constantly changing, what are the foundations, the things that are strong and sure and true, the things that are trustworthy, utterly dependable, that we can build our lives and our worldviews upon? We are being guided by the words of the Apostles' Creed, the oldest of our confessions and creeds that you find in our book of confessions. We hope that this creed will become increasingly familiar to you and take its root in you as it points us to the essentials of the faith. Let's now say this creed together, professing what the church has professed at all times and in all places. 
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The past two weeks, we looked at the opening sentence, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, which brings us today to the next part of the creed and the second part of the Trinity, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. God became flesh and dwelt among us. Or as Eugene Peterson's translation of the Bible, the message read, reads, God became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Christianity is an incarnational religion. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, revealing his glory. The verb dwelt is used in the Old Testament for the tabernacle of God. So the glory of God once contained in the tabernacle is now revealed in Jesus, visible in Christ. Which brings us to verse 18, the summary statement of John's prologue. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only son who is close to the father's heart, who has made him known. Here we have the ultimate disclosure of God, self-disclosure of God. Jesus is the full revelation of who God is. God, the only Son, exegetes. Now, the broad definition of exegesis is any attempt to understand what has been said or written by another. Exegesis is bringing out a text meeting. It's the work of explaining, describing, or interpreting. You want to know who God is and what God thinks, wants, and does and is like, then look to Jesus. Jesus explains. Jesus is, one, Jesus is the one who interpreted the Father. Dale Bruner writes, the high invisible God came down low in the eye level Jesus, his son, so that we could see what God is like. Jesus Christ has revealed God. It's important to note that this is a divine activity. Only one who is divine himself could reveal the essence of God. For Jesus is the same essence or being with the Father. In Jesus we see God, for he himself is God. He always existed and was not created. He always was and will continue to be. The significance of Jesus is not merely in his ability to do wondrous works, or is it in his wisdom as an incredible teacher? Rather, Jesus is God become flesh. The glory of God took up tangible form. 
And the glory was not merely a display of power or in the way that we consider and think about power. For the glory will ultimately be manifest in suffering and humiliation. God will display his glory in signs and wonders to be sure, but the cross and the mysterious, unfathomable glory of God is where it will be so clearly displayed. Friends, what does it mean to our daily living that God was incarnate in Jesus Christ? For one, it makes God accessible. It makes God accessible. God understands what it is like to be sad and to grieve because he wept at the grave of his good friend Lazarus. God knows what it is like to be overwhelmed and to want a way out because he sweated blood in Gethsemane. When God came to identify with those to, that he came to seek and to save, he expect, expressed himself in a language that we could understand. He was knowable, approachable, relatable. When Jesus moved into the neighborhood, he helped us to see what God is like. I find it enormously helpful that Jesus wept tears when his good friend died, showing us a God who understands our pain and our weaknesses, a God who sympathizes with them and understands our fatigue, our fears, and our heartaches. And the incarnation defines our mission because a primary way that God continues to move into the neighborhood is through us. As we move into the world in which God created and continues to live and to love. Friends, when tragedy comes and storms rage and we live in a year where everything is turned upside down in a way that we could never have imagined and life feels confusing and disorienting and terrifying and hard and Everything in us at those times wants, wants to retreat, to withdraw, to protect ourselves and to shelter ourselves and those we love from, from a world that is sometimes terrifying or can offend us or scare us. But to follow Jesus is to move into the world, to move into the broken places of the world. We are not to hate the world or be afraid of the world or withdraw from the world. We are to give of ourselves in unique ways, creative ways, unique to who we are. We give of ourselves, we risk, and we go. As we exhibit the love that Christ exhibits to us in his life, death, and resurrection. A part of the collection at the Kelvin Grove Art Museum in Glasgow, Scotland, is a painting from 1951. It is a painting from the Spanish artist Salvador Dali, Christ of St. John on the Cross, inspired by a drawing done by the 16th century monk, John of the Cross. I had the privilege of seeing this painting during my sabbatical two years ago as I spent time in the UK. 
There's a lot of religious depth in the painting. Here we see the relational nature of the triune God. Dali has us view Christ from above in the full view of the Father. Interestingly, the Son, the Christ, shares the same perspective as the Father. His view follows and continues that of the Father. Dali depicts the intimacy and relationship between Father and Son. The Son is one with the Father, seeing and doing whatever the Father directs him to do. You see in the painting the absence of nails. As 14th century mystic Catherine of Siena believed, it was not the nails that held Christ to the cross. Those were not strong enough to hold the God-man. It was love that held him there. We see Christ very clearly, physically human, but filled with divine glory, looking down on the earth below, leaning toward the world for which he died, pointing to the Father from whom he has come. At the bottom of the painting is a fishing village, reminding us of Jesus' sacrificial love and death, not only for all creation, but also for particular people where they live, work, and play. During Lent, God longs for our attention, for us to be attentive to the one who is always attentive to us, and then to engage the sacred act of giving attention to each other. The outcome of this will be abundant life and joy. God knows that we are busy, but are we busy with the right things? It's important to note that the Lenten journey is not about perfection. It's about relationship. Relationship is the intention of Lent. So if you are trying to get it right, to do it perfectly, then you very well may miss the point. But if it is your desire to grow in your relationship with God, however clumsy you may do it, then you will experience, along with the psalmist, the one who is our dwelling place, who from everlasting to everlasting is God. I wonder this spring break week, could you carve out some time to nurture your relationship with God? Maybe you sign up to receive the daily devotional email so that you can receive a devotion that will guide us and guide you through prayer and study, or per perhaps you open up a Bible to the New Testament, to the Gospels, and meditate and read a story about Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh, our Lord. All praise and honor, glory and power belong to him. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord.